Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Thank you, worship team. Well, a couple people uh, last week told me just how much they appreciated uh, a message on money and talking about how money matters that just didn't jump straight to the surface because so often when we talk about money, we go straight to the surface and it's just math and it's just the practical. Uh, While money is not just math, it's spiritual because how we handle money is an outward expression of an inward spiritual condition and attitude. Uh, so we're just going to quickly review last week. However, if you, didn't, if you didn't catch that message, you can listen online or on the podcast. Uh, this, seri- this really is a series. We're really building something. So you may say, why, why is he talking about this so much this week? Or why didn't he cover this or talk about this? Probably going to be in the series as a whole. Uh, but let's look at Proverbs 22.7. Let's read it out loud together. The borrower is servant to the lender. And last week we learned that the Hebrew word for servant means a slave, means in bondage, means in bondage. That if we're in debt, we say we're strapped because we really are. We're really in bondage. We're really strapped. Now, no one's going to go around saying, oh, I'm a slave to money. I'm in bondage to money. But things that we do say really imply that truth because we'll say, I'd really love to get another job and start another career field, but I can't afford to start over at the bottom and work my way up again. Or we'll say, I'd really, we'd love to have another child. We feel like even God's maybe calling us to adopt, uh, but there's just no way we could make that happen right now. I'll hear people say, I'd love to be serving. I'd love to lead a small group. I'd love to be in a small group. I'd love to do this or that. But we're not free to do what God is calling us to do because we're in bondage. We're strapped. We're not free to even do what we'd prefer to do because we're in bondage. And the enemy loves it when we're bound up in financial bondage. He loves it. And he'll say, just keep them in a Bible study. Just keep them going to church every week. That's fine as long as they never get serious about their money. As long as they never get serious about their debt, as long as they never get a godly perspective on their money, because if we can keep them in financial bondage, they're in check, and they've always got to look over their shoulder, and every time God leads them to do something, they're not free to run with the Spirit of God, because they have to look at something else for permission, and that's what the devil wants for us. The devil wants us in a place where we have to ask something else for permission to follow the Spirit of God. And we don't want to, have to be strapped and in bondage to have to get financial permission to do what God is calling us to do. So we're going to be on either two paths in our lifetime, a path of bondage or a path to freedom. And our financial decisions are going to greatly determine which path. And obviously, Christ has come to set us free. And the big idea of the gospel is that our debt is eternally paid by the perfect life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The whole Christian story is predicated on a debt being canceled. Therefore, everything that comes up out of our story is predicated on debts being canceled. So much so that in the Lord's prayer, we're taught to pray 
forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Now, we understand that, yes, that that is in the context of attitudes and thoughts and actions of sinful behavior toward one another. But the way that God talks about this is our debt, a canceled debt on the cross gives us a ledger of freedom and the ability to be called a child of God. And free children of God need to live fearless and free lives. Uh, Because as Jesus says, you cannot serve both God and money. So, all right, let's talk about about debt today. Uh, It's interesting to me how generational this topic is. Uh, I read this week that before the Great Depression, before the Great Depression, guess how many homes had a mortgage against them? What percentage? 2%. 2% of homes had a mortgage against them before the Great Depression. Four decades later, what percentage of homes had a mortgage against them? All but 2%. That's how quickly something can change in a generation. That's how quickly normal can change. It can happen in one generation. And those of you that maybe had a mom or a dad that grew up in the Depression era, you remember, man, they saved everything. And they pinched pennies. And if you were a child of one of them, maybe you came out and said, forget that, I'm not saving tin foil, like we're going to party, we're going to do something, and and now it's like maybe I should have saved some tin foil because we're going to be working a long time here. And that's what has happened after generation after generation. It's not new, but uh, the young uh, people in their young 20s have come along and they said, I'm going to live at the same lifestyle my parents are already living at. I'm going to live in the same type of house, I'm going to drive the same type of cars, I'm going to go on the vacations, because I deserve it, and I deserve it now. And what we've got in so many ways is what the Bible calls pretenders. We've got a generation of pretenders. We don't really own the stuff, and we're strapped to it. Uh, Proverbs 13.7 says it this way, one man pretends to be rich, yet has nothing So there's three groups of people in our country today. There are the haves, the have-nots, and the have-not-paid-for-what-they-got. Those are the three groups. (laughs) And so what we want to do today is look at three essential values, uh, and these will apply to every area of our lives, but these are absolutely essential for us to become unstrapped and debt-free, bondage-free. The first one, if you're taking notes, is we're going to embrace the value of self-control. Say self-control. Here's what scripture says. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. If you don't have financial self-control, you're like a city with no protection. You're defenseless to attack and you're vulnerable. You're vulnerable to debt and and many other things. You you have no defense against the ploys of the evil one financially. And with no self-control, you know this, we end up in trouble. It's one of the fruits of the spirit. Now, it doesn't get as much airtime as the other ones, but Galatians 5 tells us the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So the result of knowing God and walking with God, a result from that is going to be self-control. But we battle with self-control. Come on, who's in your life, who is the hardest person to say no to? Yourself, if you're anything like me. Now, I say no to everybody else. And it comes to me and find every reason to justify a yes. It's hard to say no to yourself. And you find a way to justify 
a yes. And one of the great justifiers is the sale. It's on sale. But just because something's on sale does not mean you saved money. I laugh every time I leave the grocery store and they're like, sir, thank you for shopping with us. You saved $14.89 today. No, I spent $61.15. The only way I'm saving money is if I don't come in here in the first place. That's how I'm saving money. It comes to cars, they'll show you how it's on sale, okay? But they won't tell you that it's going to drop 20% in value the second you drive it off the lot, which is more than what the sale was. And it's difficult to tell yourself no, but we got to embrace self-control. Now, I'm not saying don't enjoy life, okay? Once you get out of debt and you actually have the money to buy it, get it, get the thing, get the car, With the butt warmers and the whole deal, all right? (laughs) Buy two. Get one for your mom. Maybe she wants one. I don't know. Do whatever you want. But we're not going to be pretenders, all right? We're not going to be pretenders. It's going to be real. And we're going to learn the value of self-control. We're going to say no for a little while so we can say yes later. The second one, if you're taking notes, is we're going to embrace the value of sacrifice. If there's one common theme throughout Scripture, it's the sacrificial theme of Christianity. Hebrews 12.2, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Isn't that wonderful? Who for the joy set before him. Now, what was the joy set before him? Joy set before him was pleasing God, was being seated at the right hand of God the Father. It's also that you and I could have access to God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But it came at a cost. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He endured the cross. Let's define sacrifice. Sacrifice is giving up something you love for something you love even more. Sacrifice is giving up something you love for something you love even more. And you can apply that to any area. Maybe you love Christmas, but you would really love to not be paying for Christmas in May of 2019. So you have to make a little bit of a sacrifice. Maybe you'd love uh, a bigger house. But what you'd really love even more is for one of you to stay home with the kids. So you sacrifice something you love for something you love even more. I I don't know what it is for you. Maybe you're in college and You really like your alone time, but even more than that, you'd like to graduate with no student loans. So what do you do? Maybe you rent out a couple rooms and sleep on the couch or do something, give up something that you love for something you love even more, and that is to graduate debt-free. You may be going to lunch every day, every day, get a sandwich and a drink, and it's 10 bucks out the window every day, but you could give up something you love for something you love even more. I, I say this because I heard recently how much you can save over a lifetime of working if you just brown bag it every day. This like just hit me in the face. The article said over, over $112,000 is what you save if you simply bring your lunch to work. Now, I'm not saying you have to do that, okay? I'm just, I'm just illustrating that you could give up something you love for something you love even more. The problem today is that we're not even like sacrifice never even crosses our mind. We don't even ask sacrificial questions. What do we ask? We ask how much down, how much a month? And like the advertisements, man, they do everything they can do to keep the actual amount away from you. It's like they figure out how can we do this zero down? They don't do that for your benefit. They do that so they can get a chain of bondage on you 
and they say how much a month and and you've got to like dig in the fine print or do the math to even figure out how much the thing actually really costs. But you can and you can sacrifice something now for something better even later. I'll illustrate this. Last week we um, saw that the average person carrying a balance on their credit card, that balance average is $15,000. And if you were to pay, so imagine if you didn't have the balance and you were to take the minimum payment on a credit card balance of $15,000 and you were to take that minimum payment and invest it and you were to invest that minimum payment for 40 years, same amount of money for 40 years at, just, at a pretty conservative rate of interest, that same amount of money is $1.3 million. You sacrifice something you love for something you love even more. All from the value of sacrifice. Let's look at the third value. The third value is embrace the value of planning. Of planning. Jesus said, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? You would plan first. Embrace the value of planning. Another verse, Proverbs 21.5. The plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads to poverty. All right, let's get practical here. Let's actually plan something. Okay, let's get real. Let's get specific. How can you plan to get out of debt, out of bondage? Because here's the deal. You can wander into debt. You can't wander out of debt, all right? Getting into debt can just kind of happen, but getting out of debt is not going to just happen. You can wander in, but you cannot wander out. You've got to get a plan. And friend, the, the best plan out there on conquering your debt is found in Financial Peace University. Lauren and I have been, we went through Financial Peace uh, individually before we got married. It was part of our premarital thing. Again, we've helped other people through it. Um, and we've, it is the best investment uh, for financial planning and training that I know. It covers the whole spectrum of finances. Uh, but in Financial Peace, they're going to teach you a plan, seven steps, they call them baby steps, um, to manage your finances. I'm going to give you the first two because the first two have to do with what we're talking about today, and that is conquering the bondage of debt. Uh, so if you're taking notes, what's the first step? What's the first step? If you're going to go to pay off your debt, the first step is we're going to save $1,000 for emergencies because you've got to get just a little bit built up. You've got to get just a little bit of, you've got to get something liquid at your disposal that can cover an emergency because a ball's going to go through a window. The refrigerator's going to break. Uh, a Lego is going to get stuck up your kid's nose and it costs money to get those out and you're going to have to do something. <laughs> You're going to have to, you may have, you're going to have a family emergency where you got to travel. You've got to just get some cash that you can dip into for emergencies. How are you going to get the thousand dollars? I don't know, but you're going to get it. You're going to do anything short of stealing it to get it. All right. If you got to sell some stuff, if you got to sell so much stuff, the cat starts hiding under the bed. That's what you're going to do. You've got to get a thousand dollars. You may clip coupons. Not Groupons, <laughs> coupons. Don't come home and say I saved 50% on a Brazilian butt wax, okay? That's not what we're talking about. <laughs> talking about coupons. I cannot believe that joke made it to the fourth service, but. 
you're going to have coupons that save you money on things you already know you need. And you're going to get $1,000. You're going to save $1,000 in case of emergency. Number two, you're going to attack debt using the debt snowball. This is the absolute best way to get unstrapped and to free yourself from the bondage of debt. What I'm about to share with you is one of the most important things you could ever learn about your personal finances. And guys, managing your personal finances is a spiritual act. And sometimes we say, no, just reading my Bible and praying and going to church and going to my small group and my Bible study. That's spiritual. Managing your money is just as spiritual because it is an outward expression of an inward spiritual attitude. It matters. And so we're talking about it today because it matters. So this, is, this part's going to be on the screen. This is, one of the, this is just one of the most amazing financial principles that you can learn. I, I gave you a room. There's, the backside of your outline's totally empty if you want to take notes there. Or if you just want to let this build on the screen and then grab a picture of it uh, at the end, you could do that. Uh, but what's the first step to the debt snowball? The first step is to survey your debt. And maybe you say, yeah, I surveyed my debt all the time. Like last night at 3 a.m., I was up surveying my debt. No, you're going to get it all on one piece of paper. One piece of paper. And here's how you can do this. We've just got an imaginary list of our debts, what we owe to others. So this isn't anyone specifically. This is just an imaginary list. Uh, this is actually a very common list. This is, but even kind of conservative when it comes to averages. But uh, this will be helpful. And here's what you've got. In the first column, you've got the list of the businesses or the people that you owe money to along with their interest rate. So you owe Lowe's $450 for tools or appliances. You owe $650 to Target for the matching outfit, plus the pickles and the Oreos and the ketchup that you were craving when you were pregnant. And then you also owe $1,600 to your parents who let you borrow the money. They let us borrow the money for the fixing the AC when it broke down. Let's say that. God bless them. Thank you. And in the third column, you're going to see our minimum payment. Uh, this is the minimum amount that we're required to pay each month in our imaginary list. Number two, now that you've got that all on one piece of paper in front of you, you're going to do a budget. And a budget is income over expenses. And so you're going to start at the top of the page with your income, and then work, you're going to write down every expense, food, water, shelter, clothing, books for school, everything you got to pay money for, and you're going to include these minimum payments. Because, hello, you got to keep paying these minimum payments. Otherwise, you have a compounding problem of late fees coming in, and instead of canceling out debts, you're racking up more debt. Next week, we'll talk uh, about how a Christian prioritizes uh, spending. Number three, you're going to then attack debt. And the word attack is really important. That word is crucial. Because you can wander in, but you cannot wander out. And after you finish this, You've got to put on some eye of the tiger and you've got to get serious about it because the devil doesn't even want you to start. Starting this is one of the hardest parts and the enemy doesn't even want you to start it. So how do you attack it? How are you going to attack it? Well, you're going to start by you're going to find an extra $200 a month in your budget. And now you're probably thinking, where am I going to get $200 in my budget and that's a good question. And I don't have the answer for that. 
And friend, I don't pretend to know what you're going through. And I don't want to make this sound like it's super easy. I don't, I don't know what you're going through and I don't know how that difficult that would be for you. But I would encourage you to ask some other people who have maybe gone through this before, working on their debt and get some ideas for them, from them. It may be a big thing that you can cancel out like satellite TV or cable or a, a mobile data plan, something like that. It may be uh, taking your lunch every day, maybe not getting the energy drink or the coffee or something, and a lot of little things that add up to $200 a month. I don't know how, but you're going to find a way to get $200 a month. And here's how it'll play out. You're going to start with Lowe's. We owe them $450. Your minimum payment, remember, is $50. Now, you'll pay them $50 and add the $200 that you just found in your budget, totaling $250 a month. And within a matter of a couple months, Lowe's is gone. Bye, bye, Lowe's. Never see that debt again. And you're going to have a debt reduction celebration. It's going to be a party. The problem is you have no money, so it's going to be a bring-your-own-food type of party. <laughs> and uh, you're going to take toilet paper rolls and a magazine. You're going to cut up the magazines and put them in the toilet paper rolls and throw that around like confetti. And uh, you're going to have some type of party to celebrate the debt reduction. Now, what I'm getting at is there's a reason it's organized this way. Because you might say, Rylan, why didn't you organize it by the interest that you owe? Or why didn't you organize it by the minimum payment? No, you want to pay off a debt. You want to organize it least, smallest to largest, so you can pay off a debt. Like within a couple months, have a party. If you put a big debt first, you're putting a carrot on a stick that's so far out in the distance. That's the quickest way to just kill momentum. And nothing's going to happen. You'll find every reason not to do the debt snowball. You've got to have a debt reduction celebration as ASAP as possible and get that in and get celebrating. None of you got that joke. I thought that was funny. <laughs> but you've got to have a party as soon as possible. And then take the 250 that you've just freed up and start attacking Target. So you're going to take the 250 that you just freed up from paying off lows. You're going to add it to the 30 that you've been paying uh, to Target. And now you have $280. In just a couple of months, Target is gone as well. And the snowball starts getting bigger and bigger. Now we take our parents. We go to our parents. We're paying them $200 a month. We're going to add $280 that we just freed up because we no longer have to pay Lowe's or Target. We're going to pay them $480. And we're going to pay off mom and dad in a matter of a few short months. Mom and dad are happy, we're happy, and we're going to take this money and let it grow and let it snowball and let it grow every single month and apply it to the next debt that we owe, starting with the smallest amount of debt so we can knock it out piece by piece. Go down to the largest one, and you're going to pay off everything we owe except for the house. Now, how will this benefit you in the long run? Let me show you something that's really, really amazing. Because if you were to just say... I'm just going to pay the minimum payment. A lot of people do that. You just say, I'm just going to pay the minimum payment. But if you do that, it's going to take you 120 months to pay off your debts. That's 10 years. That's 10 years of bondage. That's 10 years of asking your finances for permission to follow the Spirit of God. And that's 10 years of debt. And that's assuming you don't take on any more. Now watch this, if you do the debt snowball, your payoff time is not 120 months, it's not 10 years, but instead it's 21 months. That's a difference of 99 months. Say wow. Wow. Now if you take 
your $1,110. Where did I get $1,110? You got it because you're debt free. You're not paying anyone payments. You have $1,110 a month. And if you just took that $1,110 and invest it at 8% for the same 99 months that you would have been paying off your debt, guess how much you'll have at the end of those 99 months? $153,992.30. Now, in most parts of the world, what could that buy you? A house. For cash. No debt. I'm just, I'm just trying to give you a vision. I'm just trying to give you hope. I'm just trying to say it's possible. I'm just trying to get you to get a vision for your finances. I'm just trying to tell you there's a plan if you want it. There is a plan. And you can leave here today and say, I don't want a plan. And you can do that. But there is a plan. There is a plan. And it, the plan may not have you out of debt in 58 days. That's how many days until Christmas, by the way. <laughs> may not have you out of debt by Christmas. It may be four Christmases from now till you see the light of day. But don't let that stop you. I just pray this fires you up about the possibility of not living strapped and what you can do with the help of God. And if you'll get a little bit crazy and you'll get a little bit weird and you'll get a little bit focused and you'll work the plan, that you don't have to live like everyone else. And the more passion you get about this, the faster it can be done, the better decisions you can make. Now this is the thing. Fourth time I've done this, fourth time I've seen eyes just totally glaze over at this point. And say, that's just a PowerPoint on a screen, Ryland. That is not reality. And it, it, it is reality. Guys, there's, there's people in this church, there's people in this room that have done this. I'm not selling you a timeshare here. This is real. You can do this. <laughs> and I pray, I have been praying all weekend that if I can't convince you of it, God would. Because if God can convince you of it, it's totally transforming. And if you're just glazing out or checking over or checking out, I just want to tell you one more thing. Back to your outline, the the notes that I gave you. Um, As I've been talking with people, I've been asking people this week, hey, what's one thing you wish you could tell our church about money? And this is one of the common denominators. It's one of the common themes I've heard, that there's a secret ingredient. And that secret ingredient is a small group. I've heard so many people say this. Because you're going to have to get yourself around some like-minded people to help you achieve what you're trying to achieve. Because there's going to be a lot of temptation. And there's going to be a lot of pressure. And there's going to be a lot of second-guessing yourself. And there's going to be a lot of people, and I pray none of them are in this church that would tell you this, but there's going to be people who, they're well-meaning, I guess, but they're going to tell you, eh, you don't have to do that. You're always going to be in debt. You're always going to have a car payment. And they're just going to tell you, forget the whole thing. And you've got to have some people around you, some like-minded people that share your vision and can help you and support you and encourage you. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You've got to get in with a cord of three strands. You need some people. Maybe that's your existing small group that you just go to them and say, hey, man, we're doing this. We're going to give this a go. 
And do you have any ideas for me? Do you have any help for me? Could you encourage me? And you're just going to go and, and share your life with them and tell them what you're up to. Maybe you've never had a group like that before. I want to point you to a couple of things. Uh, one of them is we're going to have a financial event here uh, January 5th. That's a Saturday. Uh, I know that seems like a long way out, but it's closer than you think. And then at the end of January, we'll start our small group semester. And uh, maybe that's a great opportunity for you to do Financial Peace University. I gave you the first two steps, but you could hear the whole thing um, over the course of next semester. Because managing money is one of the most spiritual things that we do. It's one of the most visible outward evidences of where our heart is spiritually. And what we do with what God entrusts us to us matters. And if you're faithful with little, God will give you much more. Self-control, sacrifice, planning can make a huge difference. Come on, just imagine with me the peace that you could have. If you broke free from this world's broken system and broke those chains of bondage, all for the glory of the one who sent his son for you. It can be done. Don't give up hope. But this... This all begins with the cross. And I know I'm going to be accused of over-spiritualizing debt and over-spiritualizing the debt snowball. And why are we taking up our weekend service times with this? And that's fine. Because the reality is there is a place where God canceled our ultimate debt And if you're a child of God, God did not break you free from an ultimate debt to have his children enslaved to a financial debt every day of their lives. That was not God's vision for your life. That's not God's hope for your life. And before he talks to you about money, though, he maybe needs to to talk to you about your heart and your soul and your eternal life and death. Because he doesn't want something from you. He wants to offer you something today. And he's offering you Jesus. He's offering you forgiveness. He's offering you your debts, your sins, wiped away, wiped clean. A brand new start, a brand new life, a brand new identity. Life from spiritual death in Jesus' name. And for some of you in this room today, you say, you know what? I really do need help with my finances. And this was really helpful today. And I'm going to look at this. But... What about this ultimate debt? What about new life? What about forgiveness? And that's what God is calling you to today. You know, it's amazing, amazing to me. God just never fails. Last week, there were people in our church who gave their lives to Christ for the very first time. They said, I'm believing in Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life for the very first time. Out of a message on God's perspective on money. Why? Because when they got God's perspective on their money, they got a perspective of God they never had before. And that can be you today. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that your spirit would encourage and give hope and passion and focus to those who really need to hear this message. God, I pray that your spirit would transform our hearts, that we would see our lives as what they are, that they're a gift from you to begin with. And we're called to be stewards of your gift of life and to manage well what you trust in our care. And God, I I pray for 
I pray for the people who are just going through life and making it up as they go and maybe they're the pretenders and they say, I really do need a plan and I've wandered into debt and I've wandered into some bad habits and I've wandered into some things and I just recognize today, I'm not going to wander out. I need a plan and I pray God blesses you as you take your first step. God, I'm so thankful for those who really see the wisdom of your word. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do what we can't do on our own. But God, you would plant this truth within our hearts. God, we know it'll, it'll grow into a spiritual harvest. God, I pray for those who are married as they have discussions about this, that, that you would surround them with wise people. God, I thank you for those who will take a step into a small group or sharing something with their small group, maybe even going through Financial Peace University next year. But God, I pray that as they take a step forward in faith that you would meet them and they would start to see your goodness. And God, we thank you for the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus gave up his life for something he loved even more. He gave up something he loved for something he loved even more. The joy set before him. What was the joy set before him? What was pleasing you? It was being seated at the right hand of God the Father. And it was us having access to God. We were the joy set before him. God, that is amazing. As you went to that cross, as you were on that cross, we were on your mind individually. God, we praise you for that. We worship you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.